It's cold outside, minus 10 degrees, but that's no surprise. As you know, for the long range, we are well below zero by day and into the real deep freeze by night, right up until next Sunday. The time right now is 621. Mark Tui joins us with the Morning Brief, advisor to business and political leaders. Nice to have you. Good morning. Good morning, John Moore. I just had a quick comment. You were yes. talking about uh, warming centers at the City of Toronto. We went through the same exercise last year. It's important for all of us to remember that the City of Toronto also has respite centers. They changed the name of warming centers to respite centers when they stay open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and offer more services. So while one could sort of say, oh my God, there's only three or four warming centers, there's a dozen respite yeah. centers. So let's not forget that too okay good to know so i'm very curious mark Tui, about your reaction because you know i i don't do outrage but honestly when i saw this story in the this morning no i don't um but federal mps liberal mps are apparently very very irked with olivia chow because she blames toronto's financial problems on them and i realize toronto's financial problems globally are not all of ottawa's problem but you owe us for the refugee file and you're dragging your feet and frankly the only reason you're in power is because of Toronto so pony up no, I agree 100%. I mean, this is uh, smart politics on behalf of uh, Olivia Chow. What I found most interesting about the article, though, to be quite honest, which is in the uh, Toronto Star, had nothing to do with the uh, the politicians or the politics, but to do with the editing. For some reason, the editor of the Toronto Star has decided to grant anonymity to nameless, uh, faceless Toronto Liberal MPs so that they can discuss the intergovernmental dynamics at play. Uh, that's not why you give somebody anonymity. Politicians are expected to make public statements. One Liberal MP does, yeah. uh, uh, Julie Durowitz, but uh, the rest of them are granted anonymity as if they're whistleblowers. They're not whistleblowers. They're politicians criticizing another level of government. Name them. Okay. Interesting, you know, especially as a guy who headed up a newspaper um, observation. But at the same time, I like having this sort of insight into how the Liberal caucus thinks, even if I don't know who the individual members are. Although I have to say, there are certain people I'm thinking of calling today and saying, what up? Yeah, no, it's uh, like this is uh, something I don't see what one of these liberal MPs would lose by being named in the article as one of their colleagues. Oh, only their other seat. Than perhaps public respect. <laughs> but that's always at risk when you're a politician. Interesting feature today about drivers in Guelph who are really upset over photo radar. I can sympathize, but not a lot, because I had the same experience. What they're grieving is they installed photo radar, and then people drove through the same stretch of roadway for like seven days, so they got seven tickets and they say well if it had been a police officer pulling me over I would have known and I wouldn't have sped the other six days but you know frankly just take your lumps yeah, no, I disagree. Uh, uh, this just reinforces the fact that these are not a safety measure. This is a cash measure, and more power to the cities for grabbing all the cash they can from people who've done something wrong. I don't have an issue with that, per se, but uh, the the point that the drivers are making is it was well over 30 days before I was told that I had done anything wrong. I think there's something fundamentally wrong with that. If we're trying to pretend that these cameras are 
in school zones to protect kids how long should we let somebody speed through the zone without uh, correction i mean that this is clearly not improving safety for children there's also an issue in the article about the fact that for some reason residents didn't notice that the speed limit had changed and even the local counselor who would have approved the speed limit change got tickets because she didn't know the speed limit had changed so something's clearly not working the way it's supposed to work in guelph and okay well and you know worth unpacking a tiny bit because everybody knows my particular experience and that was that they installed it and I was using a roadway I wouldn't have used anyway. I was on my way to the office. It's 345 in the morning and I'm getting a ticket for driving through a school zone. Um, I guess my observation, Martui, would be I have no objection to photo radar so long as the speed limit is reasonable and a 30 kilometer an hour speed limit which is designed to protect school children at 345 in the morning doesn't make a great deal of sense. You're 100% right. I mean, I think Ontario is the only province that doesn't have variable uh, speed limits in school districts. In fact, there is no provincial speed limit in Ontario in a school zone. It's all the vagaries of local councillors set what the speed limit is. In British Columbia and every other province I've ever lived, the speed limit in a school zone is always 30 kilometers an hour, so you know that, and you know that it's only 30 kilometers an hour while school is in session just like it's only and always 30 kilometers an hour in a playground area uh, only from sunset or from sunrise to sunset so I think that is a safer more intelligent regime I don't know why Ontario is so backwards Let's move on to another roadway safety issue, and this is some stats where they've compared hospital admissions for people who have been injured as pedestrians or cyclists to police reports. And perhaps not surprisingly, they find police reports underestimate quite dramatically the number of people who are getting hurt on our roadways. Yeah, by uh, you know, an order of magnitude. I mean, Toronto Police data, according to the article, noted 2,362 injuries to cyclists in the same period that uh, health data from these other sources pointed out 30,000 uh, cases. So the difference is significant. Uh, I would tend to think that the police data is likely to be better quality because in many of those cases, you'll have had a third-party investigator uh, make that report, uh, whereas people turn up in emergency rooms with all sorts of you know crazy explanations for how they got injured so that's a little bit less fidelity but it also points to the fact that perhaps a bicycling which we as a culture as governments at the local level uh, tend to want to insist that everybody must do is far more dangerous than it might appear well and you're right because in the account both of us consulted this morning um, some of the it's it's not always that the cyclist was run over by a car sometimes it's the cyclist went up over a curb and it hit their head yeah I would imagine you know I, I cycle occasionally not not a regular cyclist but uh, you know more often than not the things that are going to injure me are my own uh, inability to operate the equipment properly <laughs> in the environment that it's in and far less to do with you know being impacted by another object so you know 30,000 emergency departments how many of those cyclists just fell off I don't know weren't wearing a helmet bumped into a tree uh, I'm not sure I know a cyclist uh, injured my nanny uh, that we <laughs> employed to take care of my son years and years and years ago so a lot of these incidents are not uh, you know captured by uh, police because she just went to the hospital yeah.
Yeah, well, my nightmare, of course, would be being doored. But uh, do you have concerns that Queen's University could end up going under? And that would just be the start of it, because apparently 50% of the universities in Ontario are underwater. Uh, not really. I think what universities need, and having worked with with probably half a dozen in this uh, province, uh, a lot of the management are just kind of a little bit not all there. I mean, Queen seems to be shocked that you know when classes are only attracting ten students, uh, they can't make money. Well, maybe as they're starting to do, some of those classes that just aren't that attractive anymore don't need to be offered. Department stores, restaurants, every other business, every other government changes its offerings uh, to meet the needs as they evolve in our economy and our society. It's time for uh, universities to do the same. All right. I have thoughts on that, but we'll leave it for the roundtable because we're out of time. Thank you, sir. Good to have you. Take care, John. Mark Tui on the morning brief.